while I was working on this podcast, I kept learning about new state programs focused on human trafficking, state leaders pushing for better laws, police conducting trafficking stings. But one thing that was hard to miss was that the vast majority of the projects were focused on sex trafficking, not labor trafficking. And some of the numbers, when you compare them, are pretty striking. Last year, law enforcement agencies in Ohio identified 146 potential victims of sex trafficking. But labor trafficking? Only three total for the year. That's according to a report from the Ohio Attorney General's office. So what does that mean for labor trafficking survivors? And is this issue getting the attention it needs? You're listening to Trafficked from WYSO. I'm Lila Goldstein. Growing up in Mangalore, India, Harold D'Souza says his childhood was simple and humble. As a kid, getting to drink Coke once a year was a big thing. We didn't have much money, but we were happy. So my life in India was pretty straightforward, and it was a dream for every Indian today that going to the United States of America is like going to heaven. He remembers watching Clint Eastwood movies and thinking that Indians who were able to move to the U.S. were living like gods. Going there seemed like an impossibility to him. He didn't even have a passport when he graduated college. He got married, had two kids, and got a good job as a manager at an electronics company. But in 2002, he met a man in Mumbai who said he was hiring a business development manager for a manufacturing company in Cincinnati, he says. The salary was $75,000 a year, much more than what he was making at the time. D'Souza decided to make the jump. I entered U.S. on an H-1B visa. That's a work visa. So I came to the U.S. legally, black and white, with the immigration department. It was in black and white. But when he and his wife and kids arrived in the U.S., it was a different story. He says the man brought them to a one-bedroom apartment with no furniture, near a restaurant he owned. The job was, in fact, working at the restaurant. Within weeks, we were working 16 hours a day. Seven days a week, 365 days. D'Souza says his boss took the cash he brought with him, didn't pay him or his wife their salaries, and threatened to get him arrested if he didn't continue to work. I was manipulated, tricked, and trapped. I didn't know anything where I was entering. And by the time I realized it was too late, it was like a quick quick sand. You're already into it, like a spider's cobweb. You're stuck. I didn't know the people. I didn't know the culture. I didn't know how the law enforcement agencies work here. He told me Americans don't like brown-skinned people, immigrants, and I believed him. After a year, D'Souza says his wife confronted their boss about not paying them. And a chef at the restaurant helped them file a complaint with the Department of Labor. There was later an FBI investigation into the case. But the alleged trafficker was never charged. And even though D'Souza was able to get out of the exploitative situation, as a male survivor, he says dealing with the trauma has been especially difficult. He felt like a failure as a provider and protector of his family. For years, he couldn't talk about it. It's very difficult. I was struggling. I was not talking for 10 years. It was a stigma. It was a shame. And I used to always beat up myself like, how did this happen to me? It's not just labor trafficking survivors like D'Souza who struggle to understand how they were victimized. Grace Tejas is a senior client advocate in Columbus with Advocating Opportunity. 
It provides legal services to trafficking survivors. She says often people only associate human trafficking with sex trafficking, and their image of a victim is a white, minor female. I feel like it's really hard work to get the public to look at often black and brown men and say they are victims of a really horrific type of exploitation. They're human trafficking victims and they are deserving of services and support and understanding and their stories are worth listening to. Labor trafficking can happen at low-wage job sites, like farms or nail salons, but it's also been found in other industries, at construction sites, at hotels, in the medical field. Informal jobs like childcare and house cleaning can be sites of labor trafficking, as well as criminalized labor, like transporting drugs. And yet, there is no comprehensive prevalence data on labor trafficking in the U.S. But experts do believe it's much more widespread than the cases that get reported. One study in San Diego, for example, found that 30 percent of undocumented migrant laborers were victims of labor trafficking. But Taya says that even in the field of anti-trafficking, labor trafficking often feels like an afterthought. You know, we often do conferences or attend conferences where 90 percent of the material presented is about sex trafficking. And that trend goes beyond Teyes's world. In fiscal year 2020, the U.S. Department of State says less than 4 percent of federal trafficking convictions focused on labor trafficking. In Ohio, there have been some policy efforts to help labor trafficking survivors. This year, state senators introduced legislation that would help more labor trafficking victims get their criminal records erased. But despite a push to prioritize human trafficking by state leaders, sex trafficking is the overwhelming focus. Bridget Carr is the director of the Human Trafficking Clinic at the University of Michigan Law School. She says only focusing on sex trafficking allows the general public to distance themselves from the problem. Because they say, I don't buy sex. But the reality is you likely buy goods and services created by exploited labor. Those headphones you have in your ear may have been created by exploited labor. The dress I'm wearing may have been created by exploited labor. If we have chocolate later today, or I've already had some, me, right? It might have been created by exploited labor. After Harold D'Souza escaped his former boss, he started a nonprofit called Eyes Open International. It works to stop foreign nationals from being trafficked to the United States. He says the state needs to make sure to take advantage of laws already on the books. For example, victims can be protected from deportation while their case is being investigated through something called continued presence. But in fiscal year 2020, less than 200 people in the country got this protection. D'Souza says victims fear they won't get justice. And it's a fact. Are we prosecuting any perpetrator? Can we see any headlines? Does it come in the news? So if that comes in the news, the victims will come out. He says prosecuting labor traffickers sends a message to employers across Ohio that there are consequences for exploiting workers. So you'll see all this, uh, in all these curios, they're all filled with the uh, trophies of the boys. See, this is when Bradley... Today, he takes pride in the accomplishments of his sons. He shows me around his living room. It's filled with display cases of their trophies, from tennis and marathons... Yeah, and these are all the medals, like Bradley runs marathons. This is all Rowan's trophy. 
for tennis. Wow. See, all this, when he was in school, he won the GMC championship. But while he lights up when he brags on his kids, he's humble when it comes to himself. In a vase on the floor with his son's tennis rackets, he pulls out a tube. Inside is a letter from former President Barack Obama from when he was invited to the White House. It's addressed to the Honorable Harold D'Souza. <laughs> I feel very, I don't know how to put it, very honored, but I said, I'm, I'm a survivor, I'm a failure, <laughs> but they call me honorable. Despite the lack of attention paid to labor trafficking, he wants people to know that this is a worldwide problem that touches all of our communities and that it affects vulnerable populations everywhere. Labor trafficking may often get overlooked, but the state is putting its attention on sex trafficking. So I wanted to know what was being done to combat sex trafficking and help survivors. I found out that one approach the state is taking is arresting people for selling sex. What happens to those people when they end up with a criminal record? It, it, does, it does not help. It makes the situation even worse because now you, where we were able to take care of ourselves, now we ain't here starving because we can't even take care of ourselves. Hear from people selling sex on the streets of Ohio's capital city. That's next time on Trafficked from WYSO.